0: Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Craft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is good to be with you another evening, another Monday evening, reflecting into the richness of our faith. This Monday, we have the opportunity to not only talk about this great theme of witness, but do it within the context of one's journey of faith. And I'm going to be doing that today with uh Chris Nice from St. John the Baptist Catholic Church. Uh, Chris, it is great to have you with me tonight.
1: Glad to be here, Joe.
0: You know, we don't always think of um, a journey of faith um, as witness, yet it is very much about witness when we are in a journey. Uh, You know, I think about a pilgrimage, uh, the idea of a pilgrimage where one is on the way traveling towards a holy destination. You know, if we were to go to Jerusalem— Uh, Rome, Germany, to a holy site. We go on a pilgrimage. And uh, in in many ways, when we do that, we are witnessing to our faith. We are uh, taking time out in our busy schedule. We are setting apart time. Remembering the word holiness literally means to be set apart. We are setting apart time uh, to make more room for God. And we go on this journey. Uh, And and it's a powerful way to witness to our faith. I think of uh, a trip I made, Chris, back in 1997 when I was a uh, student at Chico State in the spring of 1997. I went to Poland, was one of the holy destinations. And of course, this is very timely because yesterday, uh, Blessed John Paul II was canonized. So he's now Saint John Paul II, along with uh, Saint John the Twenty Third. So that's exciting. We have uh, two new saints in heaven interceding on our behalf. Well, in 1997, I went to Poland and uh, I actually visited some of the sites where John Paul II had lived, St. John Paul II had lived. And uh, yeah, I mean, it had a huge impact upon my life to be able to go to these places, to get to know St. John Paul II better. And the life he lived, it had a huge impact on me. And I remember coming back, one of my professors of American popular culture, pulled me aside, and he started to ask about my trip. You know, he'd given me permission. He was great to go on the trip. I just had to do my homework when I was away. And uh, so it was was an opportunity to to witness. Now, why do I talk about a pilgrimage? Well, as we talk about a pilgrimage on the way, and it's an opportunity to witness, there's another kind of pilgrimage. There's another kind of journey where where we are collectively (laughs) pilgrims here on earth, Uh, moving towards a holy destination and that is heaven
1: and Joe when you say journey uh, the first thing that comes to mind is Matthew Kelly I I enjoy listening to him and something he said one time was uh, every journey towards something is a journey away from something Mm. and sometimes remembering what you're journeying from is
0: just as important as knowing what you're journeying towards yeah, that's a beautiful insight. That's a really beautiful. That actually is a nice snapshot of what conversion is because, you know, in, in the Gospel of John, we hear from the Baptist, repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The Greek there, uh, Greek word there for repentance is metanoia. It's a change of direction and at the same time, a moving towards something. You know, and so the words of Matthew Kelly are very insightful as you move uh, towards one thing, you're moving away from another thing. I like that. I'm going to have to remember that. Um, and collectively, that is what our journey of faith is here on earth, and it does witness to the faith in a powerful way. Because again, when we talk about witness, when we talk about holiness, we are talking about being different. Uh, we we are, in fact, talking about uh, what sets us apart, and this is the stuff of christianity you know paul liked to talk about um, christ in the context of truth and, and light and what were the opposites well darkness and lies and he spoke to how this belonged to the world you know, so the world is constantly trying to pull us away from this great truth this great light. light so we are all pilgrims moving towards the light focused on that light and I know, Chris, you have a journey towards the light that uh, you've come to talk about here tonight.
1: Well, Joe, uh, I'm from Pennsylvania, and the part of Pennsylvania I'm from, you're either Lutheran or Catholic. I was Lutheran, and uh, growing up, I had I struggled with it. It was we were taught something, and it was, well, just accept it. This is what it is. Learn to accept it. And I always had issues with that. I never had answers uh, to my questions. Uh, So um, fast-forwarding, when I moved to Chico, converted to Catholicism, and during my time in the RCIA program, two of the things that I really liked about the Catholic Church were, first of all, the genius and logic behind the beliefs. Hmm. Um, How it wasn't just like, this is the way it is, don't worry about not understanding it, just accept it. And secondly, it was okay if I had trouble accepting a belief or doctrine that I was learning about. Uh, It was during that time I also learned about discernment. Um, If I had trouble accepting something, I would ask myself, why? Uh, Why am I having trouble accepting this logic that is before me? Uh, Did something happen in my past that prevented me from accepting this? And it was during that time of discernment when I found out a lot more about myself. Uh, Maybe it was a huge weight on my shoulders that I was carrying around for a long time and so long, the fact that I just accepted it as being a part of my life, mm-hmm. and um, I think the past two years have uh, have been both most difficult and most glorious times in my journey of faith. I've been a single dad now for you know the past two years, which has definitely been a uh, tremendous part of my spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. It's been quite difficult to say the least, but uh, the Lord has His reasons and. Because of those reasons, I became the father uh, I've always hoped I'd be for my children. Mm-hmm. I believe you uh, You spoke with, about fatherhood a few weeks ago with uh, Matt Crete, and uh, you mentioned a line from the Superman movie, which I really like. <laughs> uh, you know, the son becomes a father, and the, the father becomes a son. I never really knew what that really meant until I became a father.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: A few weeks back, my oldest daughter, she... She pushed your little sister in a manner that could have ended up really bad. Mm -hmm. And I became so angry with her. And it made me think of how we pray for God's forgiveness because Mm -hmm. we want his approval. Mm. And we know he will forgive us and he will always love us unconditionally. And I make sure my daughters, I make sure they always know that I always love them even even when I'm really angry with
0: them. One of the things that I was thinking about as you were talking when you were in the RCA, as you mentioned the words genius and logic, uh, as well as discernment, is often when we approach the faith, we look at it in a way where we need to get our questions answered, and that's it. We don't look at it the way you looked at it, where, you know, okay, I didn't get my questions answered maybe the way I was hoping for um, but maybe this this isn't about the answer itself as much as it ab- it's about me, the one who's receiving it. Now certainly, what I'm not saying is that <laughs> if you're not understanding the Catholic faith or, or any Christian faith that it's it's all your fault. no. But we have to make sure that we are properly disposed to hear uh, what is being um, shared or, or taught. You know, we can go back, uh, just last week I had uh, uh, Rob Sheridan on and we were talking about Mary and one of the points we made there, Chris, and I bring into this conversation is uh, one of the, the ways in which Mary is a model disciple is in her exemplary interior attitude of faith that we see in that uh, great moment in history of the Annunciation. And what we, what we mean by that is being in relationship with God, but not yet in action. So it, it points to the word disposition. And if then we're not disposed, then what do we need to to do to be better disposed? You know, the same angel goes to Zechariah. A very similar message. And what does Zechariah say? You've got to be kidding me, right? No way. Now, Mary says, I know not man, how will you do this? And of course, the the lesson to be learned there, Zechariah is filled with doubt. He's questioning the contemporary sense and... Mary is filled with faith. She's questioning in the truest sense, to quest, to understand. She's disposed. So I think that's an important point as we talk about anyone's journey of faith, as we're engaging dialogue, as we're seeking to better understand anyone's faith, to be disposed to hear. And if the answer is given and you're not understanding it, to be humble enough. One of the words that I was thinking about as you were sharing is, is humility. To be humble enough to say, okay, what is going on in my life? Discernment's the right word. You know, discernment comes from the Latin, you know, discernic, to understand. You know, is there something in my life that is getting in the way to to, um, better understand? And then as you talk about your journey as it relates to who you are as father, uh, it's all about disposition. It's all about um, the quest to, to better understand what it means to be a, a better father.
1: Yeah, and you know, it made me think there. Uh, you know, talking about my daughter, saying that we're sorry, mm. you know, asking God for forgiveness, and you can talk all day, but don't just say it. Yeah. Show me. Yeah, it's in your it's in your acts what yeah. you do what you do with your life. If you're sorry for something. Make up for it by your actions. Mm-hmm. Show that mm-hmm. you're sorry. Don't just say it. Mm-hmm. Everyone everyone can say sorry.
0: Mean what you say and say what you mean. And don't say it mean. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. There you go. That's right. Yeah, because, you know, Chris, I can go home and say to my my wife, I love you. And then I can prop up uh, my feet on the couch and watch uh, six hours worth of uh, football games. What is that? Is that showing my wife that I love her, spending my Sunday afternoon and evening in that way? No, and when you put it in the context of forgiveness, yeah, what does that mean? You know, in philosophy, we use the word existential. In its most simple terms, you know, Chris, what that means, you know, we say you wear your faith on your sleeves. That's what is existential in its most simple terms. You know, what you see on the outside is a reflection and a representation of what is going on in the inside. And if your forgiveness is real, if your I'm sorry God is real, or I'm sorry to whomever that you've hurt is real, it will be seen on the outside for what it is. It is existential. That is you know, what is on the outside, a reflection of what is on the inside. By way of example of what I'm talking about right now, if someone has hurt you, and you have said that you have forgiven them, yet when they are in your presence, or maybe when their name even comes up, and you get all bound up and angry and this deep-seated grudge wells up, that means that you probably have not forgiven them because existentially it is still on the surface. And people see that. And so when the forgiveness is real, authentic, it goes to the core. When that person has hurt you and their name comes up or they're in your presence, when you're at peace, ah, yes. Then, then you will know that your forgiveness towards that person has permeated to your very core. And so, yeah, it, it's it's a powerful reflection. And I think this is some of what we were talking about a few weeks ago to use uh, our relationships. I'm just not uh, the relationships we have with our kids or spouses or whomever, but just genuine relationships to use that as analogy to better understand our relationship with God. We can uh, gain Chris great insight into the faith journey and how we were called to better witness to our faith. If in fact we are ever present to that truth.
1: And, uh, you know, something that reminded me there, uh, remind me of fellowship, Mm. something that is huge for me here that I didn't have back in Pennsylvania. in The Lutheran church was fellowship. Uh, you know, just guys, maybe it could be just guys sitting around talking about our faith mm-hmm. and what their concerns are, what they struggle with, and uh, you know, my friends and family have all been here during my struggles that I've endured. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, as difficult as they were, I'm a be- I'm a better and stronger person spiritually now because I didn't choose the easy path; I chose the path of Christ, which you know we all know is definitely not always the easiest. It's the road path. less, the, the, the exactly. less traveled. <laughs> but, you know, it's always, you know, the most fruitful and rewarding.
0: And, you know, as you talk about fellowship, Chris, I really think that is what's at the heart of how we build each other up. You know, what is the Trinity? The Trinity is eternal fellowship. You know, the trinity is is the father eternally loving the son and the son eternally loving the father in return and this love is so real that it actually gives life to a third person it is perfect fellowship and uh, that is what we long for we long for fellowship in the trinity love given love received and love shared this is interpersonal communion uh, and so this is why the absence of love and the absence of, of community and, and, and fellowship is a cancer. It, it's a cancer. And this is why we need to fill our churches with, with that fellowship that you're talking about that is uplifting, that is life-giving, something that uh, encourages you to fight the good fight and, and to run the race. You know, that's really important in, in our journey of faith, and certainly I, c- I can only imagine as you were journeying from one faith into another um, how important that was for you
1: and it doesn't have to be complicated mm-hmm. it can be simple mm-hmm. simplicity yeah and john De- john the baptist said uh, if you have two cloaks share one with someone else yes it's that simple yeah i love helping people i feel great when i help people and i don't have to get anything out of it mm-hmm. it's just the great feeling that i get and You know, it's like a high. I I love it, and I want more and more. And uh, you know, I'm going on 35 years old. I'm still trying to figure out what I really want to do with my life. And (laughs) when I figure it out, um, it's going to be something that I help people, where I help people all the time. Mm -hmm. And you know, every job that I've had, in some way or another, it was helping people. And uh, at some point, I'd really like to do that all day. Yeah, I love it.
0: Yeah. And, as you talk about that, Chris, I can't help but think of the men's fellowship that we belong to. And there's uh, six or seven of us that just get together every Thursday morning, and uh, we we pray the office, we pray scriptures. Uh, we we talk shop about sports and whatnot, and then we engage whatever book we're reading. And of course, we have our our night out, or our fellowship out. And, you know, it's it's not complicated. As you use that phrase, it's not complicated. I thought about, our Thursday morning group. I've had people ask me about it and they say, well, what do you do? I mean, what's the secret? It's just really making the sacrifice to get up a little earlier on Thursday morning and to be able to say, yeah, it's 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 worth it. And certainly it is. And even in all of its simplicity, in all of its simplicity, how, how life-giving it still is, it doesn't have to have all of the bells and whistles. It can just be the simple gathering, of some men, or if you're if, if you're a woman and you belong to a women's group, great, you know, just a gathering of, of women, um, whether it be four, ten, whatever, whatever is life-giving in the end. I mean, if it's life-giving in the end, it's that's what you're shooting for. And if you're putting prayer as the centerpiece to that gathering, it'll be everything that it needs to be. Uh, and this is what we need today. I mean, there's so much loneliness, Chris. There's so much isolation. Uh, you know, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI in his work, God is Love, talked about the cancer of loneliness. He says, we must reach out to our brothers and sisters in Christ and bring them into a fellowship. You know we have a lot of non-Catholic listeners, Chris, and I, I have to say, our non-Catholic Protestant brothers and sisters and and. And specific denominations, a Methodist, Baptist, whatever it may be, they do do the fellowship thing well. I, I have to. I mean, I really do have to give them that they do it well. And and as Catholics, we we need to um, step it up and remember that we have the source of communion and fellowship in in the Eucharist. Of course, this is what is most life-giving. Yeah, I mean, be be better brothers and sisters in Christ and get together more. Because it does it does spur you on. You know, you talked, Chris, about doing things for other people and how it gives you life. And that, That's a grace. And that's a grace, Chris. Uh, you know, it's very easy in today's secular culture to get self-absorbed, you know, into what we're doing. I think we all do that. And I'm raising my hand, mea culpa, you know. We need to make the conscious effort to get up off our couches and to look for ways to... To be more part of our community, and in doing so, what we will quickly discover, Chris, is that we will want to do more of it, as you were talking about.
1: And you know, I, I think you mentioned I think it was last Monday. You mentioned uh, becoming the best version of yourself. Yes, and yeah. so that's the first thing that popped in my head there. And that's what God wants for us: becoming yeah. the best version of yourself.
0: Another Matthew Kelly line. It is, I, yeah, <laughs> it is, and you know,
1: yeah. but uh, yeah, I that's something that I've in my journey. That's and you know, that's what I found, you know, becoming the best version of yourself. I like making people happy, makes me feel great, but I can't rely on that. I have mm-hmm. to be happy with myself, mm-hmm. with what I do with my life, when I'm not around people. And I think that's a, you know, that's a big problem anymore because people, they focus on other things, external things and mm-hmm. not their self, what, yeah. you know, their faith, their beliefs, you know, whatever it may be, their family, it, they're so consumed by everyday life, their work, anything
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and as you're talking about that Chris, I can't help but think about the idea of, you know, being under reconstruction, you know, spiritual doctors of the church would talk about this, you know, this constant um, reconstruction. You know, there's always going to be a gap between the person we are and the person we ought to be. And we will become who we are called to be when we better understand what it means to be constantly becoming. You know, that there's always something new to work on. There's always another virtue that we can better understand. You know, I was once asked Chris in a classroom, it was a university classroom, we were spending a lot of time talking about systematic theology. In simple terms, you know, that deals with, you know, Trinity, Christology, but also, you know, you can look at virtue systematically. And someone says, Joe, Professor Holcraft, you know, <laughs> why why do we need to be studying all these virtues? In particular, as they relate to Christ. Well, the more we come to better understand Christ as the model of virtue, the more reasons we have to fall more in love with Christ. And then, and then, Chris, to better understand the virtues that we are called to embrace, whether it be the virtue of truthfulness, uh, the virtue of humility, the virtue of uh, hope, whatever virtue it might be. Uh, virtue in of itself is a good that draws us into sanctity and holiness, and this is what we must aspire to so that we might be set apart, so that we might be um, better witnesses to our faith and our, and our journey of faith.
1: And you mentioned, you mentioned truth again, and what's the saying? The truth hurts. The truth might hurt. And it does. And I mentioned earlier, I asked myself, why? Why can't I accept something? Mm. Why can't I accept this truth? Mm-hmm. Maybe logic. Why can't I accept that? It's truth. And it hurts sometimes because you don't want to accept something because maybe you're Maybe you have some kind of baggage. Maybe has something happened to you that you have issues accepting something right before you that could be purely logical, but your brain does not. Your brain doesn't want any, any anything to do with it. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Saint John Paul too, you can say you now. One said that acceptance is the first step to conversion. And you talk about baggage. You know, earlier we were talking about pilgrimage, Chris. And what does our Lord say to the apostles? less is more. And why, Chris? Well, you already said it. The more externals and material goods that we accumulate, the more we're going to have to be responsible for. It just becomes more baggage that gets in the way. The less we have, the more we can be stored up rich in God's grace. You know, it's interesting, Chris, if you were to go into the writings of St. John Paul II, What you would find in almost every document is this propensity of his to talk about materialism, consumerism. And why did he talk about it so much? Because he saw the need for man to have a poverty of heart. He saw the need for man to be spiritually poor. This is what lies underneath the wisdom of St. John Paul II to not be so caught up in the material goods so that you might be rich in God's goodness. This, in the end, is what it's about. And this journey, Chris, no doubt, is difficult. Uh, You said uh, more towards the beginning, as you were talking about your own journey, how uh, these past couple years have been difficult, yet the most glorious Uh, that struck me. And that glory can only be discovered in light of that aforementioned Superman moment, right? And I want to go back to that a little bit because as I listen to you and your journey of faith, and I hear you talk about what you've talked about, especially um, logic, truth, acceptance, we cannot... Uh, receive what we need to receive if we haven't embraced that sonship, if we haven't embraced that call to be little. I think we have lost our sense, and mea culpa again, because Lord knows God challenges me with this each and every day. I think we've lost our sense on what it means to be little, what it means to take the disposition of a child, a disposition with arms raised up. I mean. You have two girls, I have uh, four kids, uh, three that like to raise their arms to me. I have a a, a son, Isaac, he just turned three, and he's constantly saying, Daddy, Daddy, hold me, hold me, he just just gives me his arms, and, and I pick him up. And it's in that me picking him up, it's in that moment of me picking him up and just holding him that I find him most at peace most at ease. And so no matter what he was just doing, in that embrace, he finds himself most at peace, most at ease. I really think that is the end game when we talk about our journey of faith. To enter into that sonship, to enter into that relationship, uh, whether we're sons or daughters in God, and say, God, just take me, hold me, embrace me. And I know that in that moment, I will receive everything that I need. makes me think of act of, act of reconciliation.
1: Mm. You know, the feeling that you have when when you leave, that there's a huge weight off. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was like you picked up Isaac, like God picked me up and held me. Mm-hmm. Like I needed that. Yes. And yes. every time I pick up youngest Natalia, it's like, mm-hmm. I want daddy. I want daddy. Mm-hmm. I pick her up. And it's like, wow. Imagine how God feels, yeah. the love, the uh, unconditioned love he has for everyone. Yeah, yeah. No
0: matter what we do, he loves us, and such a great feeling. It certainly is, Chris, when you boil it down. If we can embrace our sonship, that in God moment, we will understand better what we talked about tonight as it relates to that for other moment. Because, again, it is about in God and for other. Well, Chris, that is a wrap thanks again for joining me tonight. It was a lot of fun, and I certainly look forward to um, future opportunities of of sharing the faith with you. Uh, Let us close in prayer, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. been listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening from 6.30 to 7 p.m. right here on KKXX. If you have questions or feedback, you may email Joe at jholljmj at yahoo.com. For a copy of today's program, visit JoeHolecraft.org or call KKXX during regular business hours at 894-7325. Thanks for listening to the Seeds of Truth on KKXX.